Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you for joining us this week for the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast. I'm Jay Greg Danny, and here joining me is Ian Saunders. And we wanted to talk this week uh, specifically about the S&P 500 index for a couple of different reasons. One, uh, perhaps more timely, is S&P actually just came out and announced changes to the S&P 500 index that are going to be become effective later this month on March 22nd. And those changes are removing four stocks that were previously in there and adding four new stocks to that list. Uh, one of those names that is going into the S&P 500 index is Penn National Gaming, which you see a picture of the chart there. Um, it uh, continues to to push on uh, to new highs. Uh, alongside Penn, you're also seeing Caesars Entertainment added, so a couple of uh, stocks in that uh, in the in the gambling space. Uh, the other two names that are being added, one is a semiconductor. NXP Semiconductors is being added to the portfolio, uh, as well as Generac Holdings, uh, GNRC is, is the other one. So those four are the companies that are moving into the S&P 500 here next week. Uh, those stocks that are coming out, uh, it's, it's a mix of names in there, all have gotten to be pretty small components of the S&P 500 index. Uh, one of those is FlowServe, uh, one uh, Green Realty, Corp, Xerox Holdings uh, is coming out, and Bontier uh, is coming out. And so it's interesting, a couple and a couple technology names coming out of there, um, and you're seeing a couple gambling names rotate into those into the S&P 500 index. So uh, pretty interesting to see that, Ian, as, as we look through. Um, and that obviously is going to have a lot of implications in terms of those that are looking to uh, own or track the S&P 500. Um, also, it's going to cause a number of changes in uh, strategies out there that uh, many investors utilize to gain exposure to the S&P 500, of which there are, are a number of different ways that you could gain exposure to the S&P 500, Ian. Absolutely, Jay. I mean, as you mentioned here, with any kind of changes that, that you have to any any major index is going to cause some some changes on the the under some underlying funds that might potentially look to track those indices. And I mean, there's really kind of two main ways that we look to uh, looking at funds that uh, are looking to invest or track the S&P 500. Um, and those two being a, a cap weighted version of, of the S&P 500, such as the Spider S&P 500 ETF Trust ticker SPY, um, as well as an equal weighted version, looking at the Invesco representative there, RSP. But taking SPY first, I mean, we've seen both of these names, SPY, as well has has moved significantly higher over the course of the past year, as has as has the S&P 500 index. Um, the S&P 500 index hitting new highs there last week. Um, we saw SPY print a new all-time new all-time chart high. Uh, last week on March 11th at a chart level of 395. Um, so we've seen this name give multiple consecutive buy signals there since March of last year, uh, namely looking at seven consecutive buy signals. So a lot of consistent improvement from this chart, um, most recently completing that additional double top there at 395 last week. Um, so definitely a pretty decent looking chart. Um, however, I mean, when we look underneath the hood at some of the underlying technical picture, um, we've seen the fund score of SPY retract a little bit over the course of the past few weeks. Obviously, with the S&P 500, the cap-weighted index having heavier allocations towards some of those names that, that were harmed the most in, in, in last week. So, pullback early last week with some of these big tech stocks. Um, so, a little bit of a retracement from a score perspective. So, still a favorable score or suitable score, I should say, 3.23. That fund score being uh, the scoring system going from zero to six, 
And we kind of look for those to identify areas of strength as having a score of three or better. So it still fits that mold, although we've seen the score retract a little bit there. Um, it, nonetheless, SPY is still up over 5% on a year-to-date basis prior to movement here on Monday. So still demonstrating strength, from the general strength, kind of longer-term strength from a technical perspective for sure. Um, but we get a little bit different picture when we look at the chart of RSP. So the Invesco Equal Weight S&P 500 ETF RSP um, has, has also shown very consistent improvement, but a little bit more significant recent improvement um, has led it to a year-to-date return of over 11%. So it, it's more than double the return there of its cap-weighted counterpart. Um, and we actually see the chart of RSP with movement this morning uh, going up and printing a new all-time high on its, uh, on, on its default chart there and at a chart level of 142. Um, so still seeing consistent consistency from a buy signal perspective, looking at four consecutive buy signals there, um, and an area to note that you can kind of see that that different different uh, kind of more recent movement um, at through that fund score. RSP still has has maintained that fund score of 5.64, and still a very positive, a very strong score direction of 1.84, kind of indicative of that more recent, more significant improvement from the equal weighted counterpart versus the cap weighted counterpart there, Jeff. Yeah, and that's, you know, that that is something that we have seen over time of the performance profile of the S&P 500 is, is and can be very different whether you're looking at uh, SPY, which is the cap-weighted version, or whether you're thinking about uh, RSP, which is is the equal-weighted version, and you know very simply, when when some when we say equal weight, that that RSP equal weight, um, basically what it's doing is taking every single stock in the S&P 500, and each stock upon the rebalance dates is assigned the exact same weighting or exact same percentage, uh, as opposed to in SPY, where the bigger companies have the biggest weight within the portfolio. And so uh, right now, if you if you were just to look at, at the holdings, um, about uh, 28% of the movement of SPY, so of the cap-weighted version, is uh, allocated towards the top 10 names in the portfolio. And those are names that we all know. You, you look at the, at the top holdings in, in SPY, and that's going to be, you're going to see your Apples and your Microsoft and your Amazons and Facebook. Um, those are the, the companies, the largest companies uh, by market capitalization. So they're going to get the biggest weight within the portfolio um, versus, SP, or versus RSP, which again, even uh, a stock like Apple is going to get the exact same weighting as the 500th largest company in there, which uh, currently right now is News Corp. NWS is the smallest company in SPY. But in RSP, when you equal weight, every single stock has the exact same weighting in that portfolio. And, and you know, one of the analogies that we've used for, for years in talking about the difference between cap weighting and equal weighting is, is thinking about uh, the Senate and uh, thinking about um, the House of Representatives, where in, within the Senate, all 50 states receive the exact same number of representatives that, that are there. Each each state has uh, two in there. Um, in the House of Representatives, though, the bigger states, the states with more population, have more uh, more more votes, more people that are assigned there. So there, in that case, the Senate would be like the RSP and and. Uh, the house would be like SPY, the cap weighted. So, you know, states like California and Texas, they're going to get more representative in there because they're larger states. And that's that's what uh, like market capitalization weighting does. So uh, in SPY, uh, Apple alone accounts for 
over 5% of the movement of SPY um, versus RSP, which is very different. And where this is meaningful and, and why this, this discussion um, makes a difference over time is that the outcomes of those two ETFs of those two portfolios, even though they're owning the exact same 500 stocks, they're just doing it in a different way. Um, the, the performance difference can look look very different over time. For for instance, um, if we go back to uh, a decade that was dubbed at the end of it a lost decade for investors, and that being you know basically the the early 2000s. So from the end of 99 through the end of 2009. That 10-year period got dubbed the lost decade for, for investors, the lost decade for the market, because the S&P 500 was down over that time period. As a matter of fact, SPY uh, saw a return of minus 24% during that 10-year period from the end of 1999 through the end of 2009. However, the S&P 500 equal-weighted ETF index was up 38%. And that's, so that's the difference is up 38% versus down 24%. That's a massive spread in terms of the performance difference or the experience and the outcome for, for an investor. Um, the past few years have been opposite where cap weighting large cap companies have generally performed better uh, and especially in your mega caps. And so we've, we've seen this change just last week um, from seeing the relative strength comparison. So if we were to compare the two, RSP versus SPY, uh, we look at a relative strength comparison of that to identify which either equal-weighted or cap-weighted is likely to outperform the other. Uh, just last week, we saw this relative strength chart reverse up uh, back into a column of Xs uh, for the first time in, in, in quite a while. And what it does now is suggest that RSP or equal weighting is now favored over cap weighting over SPY. Uh, as, as you heard Ian talk about earlier, these, you know, both from a technical perspective continue to perform uh, or continue to move higher in, in absolute price. But what we've seen is RSP is, is has been outpacing uh, the performance of SPY quite a bit um, here recently. And, you know, there, there's a number of implications that, that we see and differences we see within uh, like the sector allocations. So on SPY, the biggest sector right now is technology, which is a little under 27% of the of SPY uh, versus RSP. Technology only is about 14%. And that's one example there. So there, the sector differences um, can be material and, and specifically for the largest sector in the S&P 500 uh, cap weighted, um, there's, there's about a 10% excuse me, 13% difference between the exposure of technology in SPY versus RSP. And that's, like I said, that's just one example, but that's how um, these these ETFs, these indexes that seemingly own the exact same 500 companies, how they can look so different uh, from a performance profile and why um, we spend a lot of time looking at and understanding, are we, are we better off being more equally weighted in the portfolio because we're seeing strength from the, the, the smaller or more more mid cap type of names, so not your mega cap growth in markets where mega cap is is doing well, like it has for the past few years. Then you want to be cap weighted. You want those big names to have a bulk of the of the weight within the portfolio. 
However, if we get into a market like we saw back in the early 2000s or uh, you know, as, as right now, what it's suggesting is that we're, we're better off being uh, more equally weighted across all of those names um, and actually dip into some of your, your mid-cap exposure there. So, um, so as we move forward, you know, that's a relationship that we watch closely. We, we do so on a relative strength chart like this, but it's also a, a pretty core component um, to our, our domestic equity sleeve within Dolly, where we, we break down the strength across asset classes as well as within asset classes. And, and you know, right now we see domestic equities up there at the number one spot that's been there uh, for quite some time. And then the very first uh, area within domestic equities is equal weighted or cap weighted. Right now, equal weighted you see has, has turned green as that relative strength for equal weighted has has come back in over uh, cap weight. And you can go down and drill into um, a, a lot of different other aspects of Dolly, but you're also, it's not a coincidence that uh, on the on the size and style level, so the next layer down uh, after equal weight cap weight, it's not surprising that you've seen the small and mid cap uh, style boxes push to the left-hand side, which is show, meaning stronger, the, the green areas, the smaller and mid cap, while large cap uh, has moved down down towards the bottom. So um, that's not too surprising to see that equal weighted has turned back uh, because you're, you're seeing a, a lot of strength there in the, in the smaller and mid cap names um, really across the equity spectrum, not just uh, the S&P 500, but really across the broader equity market. So um, and with that said, Ian, we could, we could spend probably hours just talking about Dolly and all the nuances of that. And maybe we'll, we'll spend another podcast talking about that. But um, suffice it to say, we've seen a lot of changes um, underneath the surface of U.S. equities. U.S. equities has been uh, the, the top ranked asset class now for a while. Um, but we've seen a lot of changes, this being one of them, the equal weighted, a more value oriented uh, sectors like energy and financials continuing to improve um, from a relative strength perspective. Uh, and the positive picture that we see for U.S. equities, um, we also see that carry over into a number of other individual indicators uh, that we focus on uh, specifically for the S&P 500 universe. That's absolutely right, Jay. I mean, and the, the, the point that I think you, you hit on quite well, I mean, looking at looking at the, the, the kind of broad strength that we're seeing from the domestic equity, the, that we're seeing equal weight outperforming the cap weight, that speaks to the broadening out of strength. And, and we see that reflected in some of the other indicators, too. Um, we have a variety of, of indicators there looking at particular basket names. We call them the technical indicator report. Right, um, they're going to be percentage-based indicators such as this one we're looking at here. Um, for those of you that are following along via YouTube, uh, which is going to be the bullish percent for the S&P 500. So anytime you see a bullish percent, it's simply meaning the percentage of names in a particular basket that are on a current point-and-figure buy signal. So for this particular chart, it's looking at the percentage of names in the S&P 500 that are trading on a current point-and-figure buy signal in their respective trend charts. Um, we did see that reading back off there. Um, earlier this month with the kind of that, that tech sell off that, that kind of did lead uh, much of the market a, a bit lower there. Um, did see the indicator retract from, from a level of 70% in February to, to go down to 54% there in March. Uh, but then with the movement over the course of the past week or so, um, actually with movement last week, uh, th this kind of idea of broadening out of areas just outside of technology, outside of some of these mega cap names that have led the market for most of the past several years, beginning to show some more significant improvement um, led the indicator to reverse back up into a column of exit. So what does that mean? Where it means we're seeing more participation from, from names um, uh, underneath the hood of the S&P 500. This indicator is, is functions, I mean, similarly to an, an equal weight fashion. Each 
each stock included in the S&P 500 gets an equal representation from a buy signal or sell signal standpoint within this indicator. So seeing a reverse back up into a column of X's after moving down to 54, climbing back to a chart level of 66% there last week kind of speaks to that strength from the, the equal weight area of the S&P 500, that, that broadening out um, the more participation from that the, the names within that particular index. Um, and and an area, another area that we've seen hold up, another kind of indicator we can monitor, um, takes this kind of a step further. If you think of the bullish percent as kind of the more intermediate term picture, you take a step back, you want to look at how many names are in an overall positive trend. So that would be the PT for the S&P 500, the PTSPX on, on the site for those following along. Um, this chart reached a multi-year high back in January this year, going up to 88%. So, I mean, 88% of the stocks in the S&P 500 were trading above their respective bullish support lines or in an overall positive trend, um, which, is, which is pretty high. We had not seen levels that high since, uh, since 2014. Um, it did back off a little bit with the movement we saw there, there last week, reversed lower um, earlier this month to a chart level of 80%. Um, but, but the line of demarcation that we typically look at for the PTSDX chart um, is the 50% level. So as long as you have more than half the names in the S&P 500 in a positive trend, generally tends to be a pretty good sign for the market. And, and we, we saw this indicator reach, reach high level of 88%, reverse back down, still sits at 80% there on its chart. It is in a column of those. But it has begun to tick back up a little bit over the course of the past few days and a recent reading as of Friday of 82%. So long story short, we're seeing that, that improvement in participation from the buy signal thing. And, and most of the stocks, the vast majority of stocks that we see, over three-fourths of the stocks in the S&P 500 are still in an overall positive trend. And that speaks to that kind of long-term strength picture intact for most of those names there too, Jeff. That's right, Ian. You, you certainly continued uh, a positive sign that, that you're seeing there for, for those equity indicators. I mean, readings on that PT chart above 50% historically have been uh, have been a good a good sign for the market. So um, we'll continue to monitor monitor those positions from there. But um, you know, as as you're moving forward, uh, going through the market environment, and, and you're looking at investments in, in equal weighted or cap weighted, um, you know, just important to understand the difference and how those uh, ETFs, how those indexes are constructed, and, and uh, what those potential impacts uh, might might be. So, uh, with that said, if there's anything we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, give us a call, shoot us an email. Uh, otherwise, appreciate everybody taking time to join us for the discussion today, and we look forward to talking to you next week.